that formatted frame, yeah, that what we call the conditional mind, is formatted in that sense of like when uh, when a hand is felt, it's, it's felt as your own. Yeah? You feel your hand different if, than if you felt another hand. Even though the feeling would be the same, the feeling of this one is like claimed territory. Yeah? So for the scheme of the brain, this is you. Yeah? It needs this. This is what roots it. In, in. It's like what activates and keeps it activated, that self-centered system. So if there's a sense of a hand, yeah, it feels like your hand. And so they do a trick. They do a trick with like a rubber hand. So they block your vision out and they put a hand, a rubber hand, yeah? And then your hand, your one arm, yes? And they, they get like a, a little uh, artist brush and they start brushing both things. And after a while, they're brushing both things. After a while, the, f the rubber hand is taken to be your hand. Your selfing claims that also. And you start feeling the brain starts actually producing the feeling of that rubber hand. Now the funny thing is, if you smack it with a hammer, you'll see a reaction. You'll see a reaction as if it was your own hand, probably. And that's the claiming aspect, yeah? So obviously, a thought and my thought are totally different. My thought has a lot more weight than a thought does, yeah? My body is a lot different than body. My feelings is a lot different than feelings because that's the first move of the system. It claims what's happening so that you're the one it's happening to or you're the doer thereof, which crowns this idea of being a self as you. Yeah? And then the whole system is, is meant to support that assumption over and over and over again. Even the wildest information that happens way out of there, if it's given a little time, it will morph around it and claim it, just like an epiphany and stuff, where the whole programming gets shut down, and yet when the program reboots up the self, it, it claims its absence. It goes, wow, I had this incredible epiphany. Yeah? But it had nothing to do with the epiphany. It's actually shut down, that activity of selfing shut down, and then consciousness was mirroring or reflecting that epiphany. Yeah? And so, as soon as that event comes seemingly to an end in time, it has to scurry immediately the program to claim it, so it can ingratiate it into the storyline. Yeah? So that self will continue. It's incredible. Yeah. And the thing is, if, if this what we're calling real, and this is part of it. We're not seeing this place. This is part of what we're seeing, yeah? <laughs> if that is content and cannot have any, any access to context, why? Because it's like a, mental, a product of a mental process, this feeling of being a someone, yeah? Which is a product of a mental process. That feeling of being someone cannot transcend the system that, it, that made it, yeah? That system can't give it birth. It can only appear to it to be real. It cannot become real. Yeah? So it can, it's, it, can, it can never be given birth. It just appears to be you. And so that's that idea that is a product of a system can't transcend the system and be itself somewhere else. Yes? It's, it's limited by what's producing it. Yeah? <laughs> what's producing it is a mental process. So it is a making of a mental process. It's not a creation. It never comes to be. It just appears to be you. <laughs> to be what? The main movement of claiming. 
So, yeah. So they have, they talk about the people whose, their brains are schematically set that when they lose an arm, they still feel it. Yeah, they still, they still feel the pain and everything like that. Because in the storyline of being them, the arm is still included, even though it's been lost. So they have, they call it phantom pains and stuff. So you don't have the appendage, but you feel like it hurts or something like that. Because the, the schematic aspect of the brain has you, has a visualization of the, the body identification is what it uses. And it's like almost a holographic image that's set in the brain. So the selfing is like the projector. When the selfing goes on and is claimed as I'm the thinker or this is my life or I'm feeling that, it projects this feeling of being you. Yeah? And then the feeling of being you becomes the organizing principle of what we call this experience called life. All the while, what's allowing it to occur, let's say that window of consciousness, can never be seen. No matter how much you're looking, you're only looking through it. You can't look at it. Yeah? So just like they say, the, what's seeing can't be seen, what's hearing can't be heard. Yeah? Because it isn't us that's seeing, it isn't us that's hearing, it's a consciousness or an awareness that we as this figure can't, we don't have the eyes to see it. You could say the mind's single eye can see it, yeah, because it's not, but it can't actually see it, it's seeing. Yeah. It's always seeing, that mind. But the conditional mind that we seem to be part and parcel of as this, no doubt about it, as this, if the identification as this is in place, we are part and parcel of that reality, that constructed, projected reality of being an action figure that's living and having these things happen and this and that and being the doer of actions and being the haver of events, yes? Thinking we have all this choice and control when we're almost like those speedboats in Disney World that they have all the different steering wheels so five people can get on them and you, you, you know, hippopotamus, ah! so you turn, so you, and you have a story about how good or bad a navigator you are but there's just a big pole in the bottom that a computer's operating it, yes? But the story, even when you know that, even when you know that, the feeling of it still do happening happens, doesn't it? Even when you know there's that pole, you're getting into it. You see, even when the, 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 the neuroscience or the physicist has a great revelation scientifically, there is no world, he's still getting pissed when the newspaper boy misses his porch. Yeah? It doesn't, turn, it doesn't translate into freedom from the system. Yeah? As long as we're identified as this, we are in total cahoots with the system. Yeah. We are t instead of what this, this is appearing in or through, to take ourselves to be this appearance f formulates us in the system of selfing. And so a self can never leave that system. No matter what it does, it's still within the confines. There's still the feeling of I'm the subject and I'm doing something. Yeah. <clears throat> And the fact is, if you wait for that feeling to be dismissed, it probably will never happen. But maybe with the information, maybe with an invitation, the mind can sort of entertain the possibility, I'm not that, and maybe, just maybe, some attention and interest will become very interested and attentive to that glass, that window of consciousness. And maybe get a sense of what the hell that is. And maybe, just maybe, when it starts tinkering with that idea, it may come to realize I am not what's appearing, I must be what it is appearing through. Yeah? I must be that which is the context. It could possibly happen. Yeah? So it's really good news for the clone, in this sense, to realize it's a clone. 
Why? Because ultimately it's not a clone. It's not like the movies where it's a clone. Yeah? So when it realizes it's a clone, that's as far as it goes. Because it is a clone. <clears throat> this case, we actually feel we're something, but we're not that something. Yeah? We are not what's appearing, but we are what it, it is appearing in, let's say. Awareness of consciousness. So it's an incredibly good news. So you let the clone-like uh, characteristics of this event fall on you completely, and it just doesn't squish you, and then you're destined to be an unhappy clone, but you can be uncloned in a sense. Why? Because what you're, what's being seen through, or that consciousness, has never been a clone. Yeah? What's facilitating this whole event isn't a product or a, or a content of the event. It's beyond the event. Yeah? And so, as we seem to be in this world, we're not of this world. As we seem to be in the content of our life, what we are may not be of it. Yeah? What we are may be of that no-thingness that we can never see. Yeah? Just like you can't see the space in this room. You can't see it. Yet it's probably the dominant aspect of this place, is the space, yeah? Almost in every room it's the dominant aspect. But we can't see it. We don't have the eyes to see. Come on in, I guess. Are you for the Zen bitch slap? Oh, yes, another old alumnus. Mm. Yeah? So the idea of being a clone can be very demoralizing. But when it hits you and you implode, oh, fuck, that, but then there's an explosion, yes? You can, hey, I can radically be free of that. Why? Because I'm not it. Instead of trying to be free as it, in trying to improve as it, in trying to get ahead as it, in trying to find the authentic sense of what a clone is like, which is it's not authentic, yeah? there's a relinquishment of that drive because you lose interest in it because it's not you. Now your interest and attention gets trained in a way or just familiarizes itself with no-thingness instead of being obsessed and addicted to thingness here. Yeah? Because if you're identified as a thing, you're going to be very engaged in other things. Yeah? That's basically the only vision you're going to have is of things. Yeah? But the fact is, the possibility of a vision of no-thing is always available at all times. It's just not being accessed because we're trying to access it as us. Yeah? As a you. And the point is that you can't access the sense of content text. Yeah? It wants to have an experience as content of context, but that's the base you can just get maybe you can't even have an experience of it because it's not experienced. Yeah? So the content, the formation of the content, that limitation of the content, very, very clearly described in self can't get out of self, is an incredible bit of information to let in. Because then all that driving and seeking and, and urge to get out of what you cannot possibly be in gets dismissed. And then you realize by letting things be as real as they want to be, they're unreal. When you're trying to make them unreal by moving away from them, by trying to transcend them, they're as real as real can be. But if you let them be as real as they want to be, they show themselves to be what? Unreal. Yeah. That's where the freedom is. The freedom isn't for you, but from you, really. Yeah. The freedom is from you. If there's an identification... See, this is a you, yeah? That's how you see me, don't you? When you're looking... It's, if you, someone asks you, explain what's happening right now. If they ask me, I would say, I'm seeing you. Yeah? I'm seeing you. 
Okay, if I asked you, I'd be the same, and you'd have the same experience. I seeing you. So, in every event, it's the same. I seeing you. Yeah? Every one of us. If we had 800 people here, it would be the same thing. I'm seeing you. 8,000, I seeing you. Yeah? What happens? Okay, the mental process claims the activity of the eye, which is what seeing, if you want to call it. I would say seeing is the eye. Yeah? The mental process claims it, the eye, weds it with the body, with a you, and then suddenly, miraculously, in this giant sea of yous, there's one me. Yeah? I, you, is me. <laughs> you have to see it. This is the mental process organizing, claiming. The self is birthing itself. It, it takes it. It sees the awareness, which is, it senses the awareness, which is all of everything. Yeah, that's the window everything is appearing through. It senses that activity of consciousness, and it says, "I'm the I'm what's conscious." Yeah. Now that's true. I am what conscious. But when it asks itself, "Who is this I?" or "What is this I?" it looks at the body, identifies it, and says, "It's me." So suddenly. The eye of nothingness or awareness, which is seeing out of every one of our heads, now becomes privatized to be only one person seeing out of this head. And it's not the I, it's the me. Yeah? And no matter how many yous there are, there's only one me. There's only one me. There's only one me. Yeah? This is the incredible consolidation of selfing. It claims the context, which is I, yeah, as an act it's doing, giving that act or that sense of doership to the body, and now the body is what's conscious. Yeah? I'm seeing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hearing. I'm feeling. I'm tasting. I'm touching. So, if you describe what's happening, you would say hearing. Yes. Seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. Even seeing thoughts like the uh, eye sees a bird fly by. Yeah? So there'd be seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. But how does the system of selfing comprise it? When seeing is sensed, it, there's a seer. Yeah? When hearing is sensed, there's a hearer. Yeah? When feeling is, is felt, there's a feeler. And that, what's feeling and what's seeing and what's hearing can never be seen, felt, and heard. But damn well this can be. And it claims to be the seer, and the hearer, and the feeler. But obviously you're seeing it, yes? I can feel it, yeah? I can smell it, hmm, I should have washed earlier maybe. I can, yes? So this is an object just like every other object in this room. There's only one subjectivity going on, and that's the window of consciousness this whole event's happening through. I would, I would call that I. Yeah, or subjectivity, or awareness, whatever, or consciousness, whatever you want to talk about it. Yeah? But what happens is the mental process claims that, and in the claiming of it, forgets its nature and applies it to this. And now it's called me, which is a huge difference. And I'll tell you, when I, got, when I was in Delancey Street, a program for two years, yeah? and now in that place, they told me what to do every day, where to go. They gave me a few options the longer I stayed. Hey, you can go back to college if you want. You can go to uh, San Francisco Community College. All right, I'll take that option just to get out of the facility, you know. Oh, you can do All right, I'll do that. But basically, they ran this life. You know? 
And after two years, I left that place. I graduated. And I had to admit, after a few months, that my life looked a lot better with them telling me what to do than it ever did with me telling me what to do. Yeah? Why is that? Because they viewed me as a you. A junkie you that was uncivilized, untamed. Yeah? But all the while they were viewing me as a you, which actually I thrived in that viewing, there was a sense of me which had destroyed this life. Yeah? When I took this life, instead of being a you, or recognizing the I of life, and called it me, everything hit the fucking fan. All the shit hit the fan. Yeah? I had no idea how to take care of this you as a me. <laughs> There's no fucking way. Everything I did to promote the you... <laughs> Backfired terribly, yes? <laughs> and yet they saw me as a you, and their advice was great. And they had no interest in me, basically. None. They weren't very concerned how I did, and yet I did great under that tutelage. Why is that? Yeah. Why is it that in the disease of alcoholism, self-obsession is like the root of the problem? Why is that? You would think that you were, if you were obsessed with what you were, that would promote you instead of actually destroying you. Yeah? If you were actually a self, I bet you it would be a good idea to think about yourself. But it seems not to be such a good idea to think about the self, does it? If you think too much about the self, what happens? You need relief from what? The self. And the relief becomes a very strong imperative that you're apt to do almost anything to get relief from that self. Yet, you can't entertain true relief from it because you're taking it to be you. <laughs> so you have to go shopping every day to get relief for self. <laughs> and it's like an addiction. Yeah? Because it never seems to become totally satisfied for long. Yeah? And the demands get higher. And the punishments get worse. And yet you can't seem to break the contract because you're not even obsessed with the self. You're, a, you're identified as it. Yeah? So even if you want to get out of it, you're trying to get out of it as self, which you can't, that cannot happen. Yeah? It's like an incredible system. There's no way you can get out of it if you think, if you think you're a self. There's no fucking way. Try it. People have. I was a perfect devotee to drugs. I'd match my devotion to drugs to any spiritual devotee in the histories of spirituality. And I'll tell you, I was a perfect shooter of cocaine. I shot a lot of fucking coke, a lot of times. And you know what? There's no transcending this place, at least through drugs. Yeah. I don't think there's any transcending this place through any vehicle, because this place would have to be a real place to transcend it. <laughs> You'd have to be a, it, it would have to have a real quality to leave it. But if it has a dreamlike quality, you're trying to get out of it is an aspect of the dream, wouldn't you think? The whole, all those exit signs and escape hatches and all the maps we sell to each other and buy, even the historical maps of how to get out of here, they tend to always be very disappointing because you don't seem to escape, do you? It's always, you're always in the, all the, in the process of escaping, but there doesn't seem to be a radical escape where you're done with that system. Yeah? That system that seems to be driving you crazy. Why is that? Because how, what we're taking ourselves to be is a product of that system. How can a product of it leave the system? It's an impossible escape. <laughs> you can't get out of what you're not in, because you are not that which we're identified as. Yeah. If, if, it, if, we, 
if we were that, they couldn't say you're identified as self. You are, you would just be a self. Yeah. But there's the act of being identified as a self, which is totally different. And we have the evidence, even in this appearance of, of Paul and Deb and everyone, in the year or two of our life, which we have no memory of, they have researched on that the self hasn't been uh, made yet. The mental process hasn't produced the sense of being the owner and the claimer and the privatizer of everything. The baby doesn't know what it is, basically. Yeah? It hasn't been organized yet with this idea of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. And then, and then it grows into that. And when it grows into that, the sense of aliveness and oddness gets forgotten. And now there's a narration about things. Yeah? Now you live a story. It's like being in a football game, but your attention is in the, in the, the uh, announcer's booth, and you're following your life by the announcer. Like Howard Cassell is telling you how you're doing. Yet you're in the game. I think it's great news when you find out there's no escape. Really, it's just incredible. Because it's a, the funniest thing, the escape is actually being here. This is that. This is the true escape. It's funny. Any move to get out of here is part of being here. If you can just like just be here, that's being out of here. cannot get out of the confines of the projection. It can't reach out of its little projected body and not and get something other than that. Yes? It's, it's defined as what it's not in that system. You missed the beginning, but uh, the whole point of if it, just if you want to look at it from the view of recovery, in the book of recovery in 1939, when they finished writing it, the closest they got to the root of the problem was self-centeredness. Yeah? Self-centeredness, that we think is the root of the problem. But there's an aspect in the book that also says, we know but a little, people are going to come after us and add on to this idea. So it's not like a closed, shut and closed thing. That's it. It's, it's obsession with self is the root of the problem. Yeah? There's, an open, there's an opening to sort of delve into it deeper. So a lot of information and invitations have arised since 1935. And one of them is this very curious uh, invitation that there is no long-lasting, independent, separate entity. Yes? It's just the, the way the brain organizes this dream. It, it puts a masthead called you so it can make sense out of what it has no ability to be made sense of. <laughs> so you can sort of try to organize it and have a sense of security when this is just going off like a fucking mystery every day, yeah? In the sense of being the doer. And it's just sort of like how, it's like building a rudder in an empty ocean, you know, a giant raging ocean. It's trying to figure out how to get through this place, yeah? And so that wasn't available that much here in, in the West, obviously, in the 30s. Yeah? So now, 
being an alcoholic, I was checking other things out, and maybe I think it was my tenth year of sobriety, I fell upon this invitation, that you are not that. You are not that which you have taken yourself to be. And so after I entertained it, something, there was sort of a, like a, you know, if you put a piece of cloth in a dye, you know, it comes out every once in a while, but each time it gets a little deeper the color. That's what it was like. And at one point it changed from what it used to be to the new color. And there wasn't any vague, it looks, it looks like off-white, but it's getting to be brown. It, changed, it shifted, it left off-white and was brown. It had not to go back to off-white. When that happened, I was reading the book as I did that. I did a workshop in recovery. And uh, the main emphasis of that workshop was how it works, this one chapter. So I was going over it for years. I, taught, I, I led that workshop 19, 20 years. And I, uh, so I read, I was reading what I used to, I've read many, many times, but the whole, that whole chapter was like, un, uh, like, like electrocuted with aliveness, yeah? Because my mind had shifted. So when I saw sentences that I had thought I had an idea of or an understanding, which I had had for a couple of years, that same understanding, suddenly the understanding just got shot out of the water and a whole new understanding whacked me, yeah? Just totally, and especially around the word self, yeah? When I read the book and I saw self, every time I saw the idea of self, it was like a parasitical representative or a foreign installment, yeah? I had a very strong sense, I'm not that, finally. And from that sense, I'm not that, I, as soon as my mind got a sense that I'm not that, the first thing it could entertain, very strongly, with no fucking limitations from the selfing, was I can be free of it, yeah? Free of it, not enslaved to it and trying to make it feel better, not therapizing it, not socializing it so I can not flip out at the next picnic I go to, not affirming and praying so I can have a month-long relationship or whatever. None of that. But hey, I'm not that. Now, there was nothing I am. There wasn't a next step away from that. There was just a sitting and, hey, I'm not that. And then in that sitting, it was like it created a generated a pause a very, very strong vibrational pause, and then downloads dropped in about what? About what I wasn't, yeah? About how it moves, how it appears. But all of it would be distilled into one statement, I'm not that. That was, that was the, 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 the ring of the liberty bell, so to speak. Bing! Yeah? So, the whole hit I had on that then I read this one part that I had seen many, many times, but it says it so beautifully. Being convinced, which means to believe with certainty, that self, manifested in many ways, yeah, is what has defeated us. And it was like, what? Okay. So self is something, some activity. It's not me. And that activity seems to be able to defeat me, because that's what my life was like, yes? And if I, when I was with people in the program that always are introduced to this idea, if you ask them what self-defeated them, they all had the same answer. And that was my self. Yeah? So I realized it wasn't self that defeated me at all. It was, the, it was the identification of my mind with that idea of being a self that defeated me. Aha! Yeah? <laughs> so if my mind could be weaned off of that, yes, then I could po- maybe possibly be radically free of it. Maybe. And 
my mind entertained that possibility. And guess what? It produced the fucking goods, finally. Yeah. A radical shift from, instead of irritability, restlessness, and discontent as the baseline, and easing comfort as the baseline. <laughs> instead of very, very brief vacations from this basic state of agitation, yeah, now there may be some agitation storms, usually based on physical health that come through, but everything else is very clear and placid, yes. And for something to have such a profound effect, I must have been on to something, yes? I must have finally hit the bell. And it is an obsession with self. That's what the mind does that's identified as self. To keep the identification in place, it has to obsess over it. Yeah? Because it's like a gluing agent. It has to have its interest and attention could, that could be spent everywhere else. It has to be, have that interest and attention glued to the idea of being you. Yeah? Because it's only that where the idea of being you seems to be so. It's the, own, it's the interest and attention that gives it its oomph to fool the mind, for the mind to take itself to be this. Yeah? If the interest and attention is pulled off of that, and how I found it pulled off of that was when my mind said, I'm not that. And I said, oh, it's sort of like going through 800 tumbles in a safe, you know? Okay, I'm going to... Mindfulness. I'm going to do affirmations. I'm just. I'm going to just read spiritual books, interest and attention. I'm going to stare in great saints' pictures. In, you know, I'll do all these things, and none of them. The safe door never clicked open. Then this one thing is, hey, I'm not that. <coughs> the safe door swung wide open, and my interest and attention was freed from the slavery to the idea of being a self. Fucking finally, yeah. As, and that therefore, from the reaction, I realized that was it. It's the interest and attention to the idea of being me, that's the enslaving activity. Yeah? If my interest and attention can be pulled off of me, which is what recovery does, it offers you service, helping other people, so that you can seemingly come out of self enough to feel something. Yeah? But unfortunately, usually the mind just immediately backtracks into that same identification. What would happen... When you do service and then you feel like you're available to someone else, or maybe just available to the situation you're in, and then in that availability, something that's always so is available to you, which is we call presence, let's say, or they call it the conscious presence of a higher power, whatever you want to call it. But there's something available when you're available. It doesn't mean it's only when you're available it's available. I would say it's available at all times, but most of us aren't available. So when I do service, I get out of myself, yeah? So I'm available to people and to this higher power. And I sense this power, yeah? And we call it a presence. What would happen if you are that presence you're sensing? Maybe you're sensing your own nature, which is the presence. And therefore, if you are the presence, then what are you? Available, yeah? And if you're truly available, what are you? Of service. It's incredible, isn't it? Instead of having service as an experience that very, very infrequently happens in this linear story of bondage to self, you actually become the presence that you only once felt as an experience, and that presence is always available at all times. We're seeking our own nature, but as the false nature. If we could see we're not that false nature, there would be no seeking our nature. We'd be living from that nature. Because we're doing the exact same thing now, but with an interpretation over it. Yeah? 
This is just peeling off the interpretation so you can sense what you are, which is consciousness being in contact here. Just like you have a sense of being you, you can have a sense of being that. Yeah? So there's a lot of different paths. There's inquiry where they basically use the question, subjective questioning. Who is it? Who is it that's worrying about next week? And if you take your mind and go back and go back, it'll take you to the source, which is that consciousness. That's the, con- the source is always consciousness. So you can go there. Once you get to that point where there's that feeling of presence, you just rest there. Yeah? And then if it seems like you forget, ask who forgot. Yeah? And then you realize you're resting there. And then in a sense you realize you've never gotten up off the couch. You've always been resting. <laughs> you don't have to ask who am I anymore. <laughs> the mind fucking dawns on an absolute. It's not like I'm not a self, but I was once a self, and I'm going to be one tomorrow. Or if my girlfriend gets mad at me, or if someone does something to me, I'll be a self. No, you were never a self, nor will you ever be a self. Yeah? Meaning a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. Dismissed from everything else, an island in and of yourself. The generating, uh, generator of all the actions that move through you. The seer of everything that's seen. The feeler of everything that's felt. The the haver of everything that's had, the the hearer, the smeller, the taster of everything. That's a pretty big leap, yeah? It is really a pretty big leap when we can't even shit when we want to. We can't even stop or start a shit usually. And then we can't pump the heart, blood. We can't beat the heart. We can't digest our food, but we believe we're doing the thoughts. We're the thinker of the thoughts, which is a much more subtle process than the other ones. I mean, seriously. You don't see how absurd this organizing principle is? It takes totally insane assumptions, and you just take it to be normal. Oh, yeah, I'm the thinker of these thoughts, and stop thinking them. Yeah, see how you do with that. Or just think good ones. Yes. How much power or sway do you have over the thoughts? You're lording over them. You're the thinker of them. You're being blamed. You're taking the blame for them. You're feeling guilt about them. You're feeling shame about them. But you can't seem to stop them. It's like in recovery. We get we get let off the hook in the first part of the first step. It says you were powerless over alcohol. So obviously, when I drank and used, I had no say in what happened. Alcoholism was running the show completely. Why is it that after the fact, I go back there, rummage around in that, and, and tattoo every action as I was the doer of it? Yeah? Hoard it, claim it, put it in my little shame and guilt fucking fact uh, warehouse, and just all my attention and interest just dwells there, or actually has to play security guard so it won't come out or whatever, and I just dwell living in the fucking past. Instead of being freed from that first statement of the first step, you were powerless over it. So going back to that self, self manifested in various ways is what has defeated us. Okay, you're convinced of that, which means to believe with certainty. That's what convinced means, definition. So I believe with certainty, I am as clear as I can possibly be, that self manifested in various ways is what has defeated me. And what allowed that defeat to occur was the mind. The act of being identified with that idea of being a self and making it myself. Yeah? 
It's like taking the I and the you and making a me. And it says, okay, when we're convinced of that, we're now going to look at its common manifestations. All right? It means self, right? In English, it's it meaning self. And it says, the next paragraph says resentment. is the number one offender. So I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but this is how I hear it. So resentment is a manifestation of self in my life, yeah? And he says it very clearly, self defeated us. So it's not my manifestation. Because he's already separated the two. Self is different than us. Yeah? And that's like a, a plural of me, right? So obviously, so resentment isn't my expression or manifestation. It's not, I'm not doing it. It's not my manifestation. It's coming from a system called self-centeredness. And it's coming through this possibility. And it's finding expression out of here through this. And yet... I am forced into slavery with it because every expression it commits in this life, I call it mine. <laughs> you don't see it as slavery? For me, it just blows my mind. And people are adamant about keep calling it my resentments and my fears and my acting out. And yet it has nothing to do with you. But you see, it's like the clone. When he realizes it's not a clone, he just still feels that he is a clone. He still feels as real as he felt when he didn't know he was a clone. Yeah? So you, you, you get the information that these are expressions of self, but the feeling is they're mine. I did it. I'm having it. These are my fears because they're different than your fears. Yes? You have private fears. I have private fears. That makes them actually different. There's no way you can help me because you cannot understand me. Yeah? You cannot understand me. Only I can understand me. Yeah? <laughs> oh, man. So I don't know. There's a possibility of radical freedom. There is. Sitting, up, sitting right where we are. It's reminding us every second of every day that we're awake through conscious contact. Something is moving through this which we call us, and that thing that's moving through which that we call us, and that we call we're the doer of, is prior to this. And it's not, it is not being done by us. It's already so. Just like if a bird flew by in this room and my eyes were open, I would see that bird, even if I said to myself, I don't want to see birds today. Yeah? I would see. The reaction would happen way, way, way before my little narration that it was me that saw them, yes? I would say the me shows up like a Johnny-come-lately. The conscious contact is living. The you being the liver of that life is the story. And the story, man, phew. You can have a story based on what's not happening that will override your ability to be here. Yeah? And your inability to be here will probably be the crux of all your fucking anxiety and complaints and suffering, and yet there's an impossibility of you remedying that. Because you, as a you, cannot be here. It's in a mental realm of there and then. Every here is mixed with past and future ideas and speculations. There is no here and now in the mental realm. And that's where the self 
thrives is in the mental realm. It lives in time. You look at your thought system. Does it value this moment more than the past or the future? What, do, what does your thought system think more about now or the past or the future? I would say the past and the future. Just look at it. Judge it. See it. You can see. It doesn't matter what the story is. Your mind is preoccupied with what once happened and what you were like and what you're going to be like. Yes? And the thought system, how does it picture you? It pictures you as a body. If you're relying on that thought system, the trance is set. It's just reinvigorating it every day. We're already in a deep swoon. Consciousness seems to be unconscious to the fact that it's consciousness. <laughs> it's taking itself to be a body. And that body is totally up the ass of this idea of self and lives in time. Yeah. And the only time is now, and the only time the future can be thought of is now, and the only time the past can be thought of is now, but the now doesn't seem to override the influence of the past and the future. It seems the opposite. The past and the future has the biggest influence on the now. Yeah? Instead of the now negating the absurdity of preoccupation with the past and the future, past and future, just because it's actually not happening. Yeah? It wouldn't need any other story, any other bit of fact that it's not happening, actually. I would immediately feel that your value would be here in what's happening. Even if you like it or not, it's actually got that one quality. It is happening. Yeah? This is this little event going on. We're not sitting under a palm tree right now. But the head does it isn't for all intents and purposes, isn't here, it's there and then. And don't believe me, check your head out. See where it's dwelling right now. It's probably thinking about what it's going to do when it gets home. Make sure it has that Agendas in that movie and <laughs> all these ways to feel secure and satisfied when you're never fucking satisfied, are you? If you could be satisfied by Agendas, it would take one pint. It's thousands and thousands of pints, thousands and thousands of keeping hope upon hope that maybe an hour from now will be great. <laughs> and being disappointed so many fucking times, yeah? Oh, jeez. Saviors always fail us. They do. They always fail us. You always get super pissed off because you really want to be saved. But obviously you can't be saved out of an imaginary place. It's just waking up. Yeah. And if you are already awake, there's not much to do. It's just the recognition, hey, you have to admit you're on right now. Yeah? There's something that's animating this event. Yeah? There is a sense of onness. You may call it you, but maybe if we could straight, you know, scrape that me off of that, and then you'd realize the you is just facilitating the sense of it, and then maybe you could actually feel your own spirit, yeah? or not your own spirit, the spirit. Maybe you could get right to the nut and bolts of it. And if there, your attention would go there, even, you can, your whole life can change if it only goes there for a second. I've seen, I've seen people have radical shift in this whole dream world by just one second of visiting there. Yeah? Just one second, it can, it can wash away 50 years of, fucking stories and conditionings and this is the way I'm, I am. Yeah? Can you imagine if there was resting there? The possibility? 
But see, the head wants to be a self and have an experience of it. And that's why it doesn't happen. Yeah. That's like the main little... There's, a, there's an urge and maybe a sincere desire or movement towards freedom, but being stuck in the system, to f- you, that movement towards freedom is defined by the system. You can't find success. Because yeah. the solution isn't in the problem. Yeah? The solution is that it's an imaginary problem. To seek for it here is insanity. Because you'll never find it. It's when, a lot of times, it's when people hit a bottom, yeah? Something happens to them. Some very extreme trauma happens to them. Sometimes that shakes the mind out of it, you know? It doesn't have to be that way. But in a lot of people's stories, that's what occurs, you know? They get to such a point of incomprehensible demoralization, and yet they don't pass away, and something cracks open, and the mind comes out of that system and stops trying to seek relief as the system but moves out of it, yeah? Realizes I'm not that. We're just attempting to sort of do it with an invitation, not with a traumatic fucking event. (laughs) I've had a number of those. I'd rather just hear the message, yeah? (laughs) You know, everything, you know, we talk about it. You can keep gathering something, some story, some past, everything that. It's all going to lead to nothing. Why not just start at nothing? Seriously, you're going to end up there anyway. Really. Everything worth its salt will bring you to nothing. Everything, like in the Course in Miracles, it has a chapter where it talks, it says, I need do nothing. And it goes over all these type of things. You can, a life of contemplation, a life of service, a life of meditation, a life of physical yoga, whatever them. Because it's the mind, the mind intends to be free. It will be. But the fact is, it may take hundreds of years. It may take 50 years. And he says, the thing is, the whole point they always lead to is, I need, it, I need do nothing. Yeah? So he says, the Course of Miracles is just based on here to save you time, and let's start there. <laughs> I need do nothing. Instead of having to get to do all this shit and come to the point I needed to do nothing, let's just entertain I need do nothing. <laughs> you're going to do stuff here, but it ain't you doing it. That's the whole fucking point. It's not like, oh, I won't be doing anything? No, the point is, there was never a you that did anything. (laughs) Yeah? So, it's not, you don't need the the you's acquiescence to the message. This is about its irrelevance, really. (laughs) It's not called upon to pontificate about what it thinks, because that's usually but- that's when it happens. Someone shares at these meetings, oh, the light, I can be, I can entertain it today, but what about tomorrow? The world starts again. Yeah? I'm not just stay here then. Stay here right now. Can you entertain it now? Yeah. All right. Go with that. Yeah, see where it leads. Instead of the but, but what about next week? What about when I see my ex-wife? Or what about, but are you seeing your ex-wife now? No. Why not stay here? Like they say in AA, how many meetings should I attend? How about this one? You know, the one you're at, why don't you attend that? See what happens. <laughs> so, oh, I got a plan, 800 and 810 days. All right, that's a good plan, but be here. Yeah? 
Why? Because you are. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but it's so hard to accept. How hard is it to accept? If I look at this room and I have no desire to change anything about it or who's in it, that's acceptance, yeah? In other words, it's the easiest thing at all to entertain. I don't have to lift a damn finger. I don't want someone who's not here to be here. I don't want someone who's here not to be here. I don't want the chairs to be different. I don't want it to be in that room instead of this room. I wish it was over. I don't, none of that's going on. That's acceptance, yes. And yet, it's a topic for thousands of recovery meetings. And you know, every time someone brings it up, you know they're not in acceptance. Because when you're in acceptance, you're never thinking about it. <laughs> How is a self going to accept fucking anything? It's all conditional, because it's in time. It will accept. I've seen people. They have a little mental thing. They want to get something from someone else. So they act very accepting for a month or two. And then the date of uh, delivery doesn't occur, and they fucking flip out. <laughs> I've been so nice to you. I... I was expecting you finally, yeah, see, there you go. <laughs> I don't know, so. So really, even the clone, when it finds out it's a clone, it still thinks it's real. Yeah? The system is going to keep claiming, being you, privatizing, owning. Yeah? It ain't stopping. It's not about waiting for it to stop. It's about just seeing through it. Seeing if it really is so. And if it isn't so, maybe the mind's interest and attention will be unwedded and maybe it will go other places and bring you back information not of that place. Yeah? Maybe some, some information of other aspects of mind instead of self-centeredness. And just maybe one little bit of that will have a huge effect in all of this. Yeah? Just maybe. One second of, let's say, God's breath would enliven your body for 70 years, let's say. Maybe. Yeah. One note of a, a celestial hymn will play over and over again. It will be the soothing, soothing aspect of all aspects. You can rest on that one note. Just one note from another aspect of mind and self-centeredness. One note that isn't claimed to be the doer and the haver. One note that has nothing to do with privatizing. One note that has nothing to do with being a noun. Yeah. Life is so much different if it isn't your life. Yeah? Life is so much different than if it isn't happening to you. If it's just happening, it's such a different experience than if it's happening to you. Does it change? Or does the, you, the identification change it? I would say the identification changes it. Yeah? Once the identification broken, life is happening just like it always was and is. But you can live an interpretation that's happening to you, and that you isn't a you, it's a me. And there's the fucking suffering. And the thing that's the cause of suffering is never going to get relief from the suffering, obviously. The thing that's causing it isn't going to get relief.
chew on that one, eh? <laughs> See it. How's this? We were talking about last night. Selfing is like a slinky. Yeah? You ever see a slinky going down the stair? Selfing is a mental drive to be something it can never be. Yeah? Selfing wants to be a self. That's its drive. Yeah? So the selfing goes, but it can never reach climax because it can't be a self. Because unhappily, you're of another nature. You're not a nature of an entity. Yeah? You're a nature of, let's say, no-thingness, or spirit, or awareness. And that can't be forgotten or left to become a thing. So here's the mental process with the desire to become, but all it can be is a desire to become. It never, it never becomes. Yeah? It only appears to become. So you appear to be a, become a nice person, and then someone says, hey, you're a fucking asshole. Then you appear not to be a nice person. Yeah? And then a hundred people say, you're the greatest, and you appear to be really cool. One person goes, no, I don't like you. you oh, the whole thing just breaks down. Yes. And so you're desiring not to be something, and you're desiring to be something. Always. Yeah. It never ends. It's an agitation because it's seeking completion, and it can't be completed. That's why the thing doesn't turn off, if you notice. Yeah. That's why the obsession with self goes on and on, and most of it's quite a name, yeah? Most of it is, if you actually listen to it, it's really fucking insane. It's nitpicking over things it's nitpicked about for 40 years. Just on and on and on and on and on and on. Sometimes you can't sleep. It just goes on and 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 on. Because it's fucking pissed. It's in a state of unfulfillment. It's agitated. It's like a junkie that hasn't had a shot. It's like a coke addict who hasn't shot coke. Yeah? It's frustrated. It's irritable, restless, and discontent. And it's not going to find completion. Just like every addiction. We never, as addicts, I never got to a point where I had one shot of coke and then I just realized I reached coke stability. Cocaine has just completely satisfied me and now I'm a satisfied person the rest of my life. Thank you, cocaine. <laughs> Put my little syringe up in a hollow place and thanks every day. Be grateful. Coke did it for me. Yes? No. It just feeds an addiction, doesn't it? You shoot it, and then you do a next shot in ten minutes. You shoot that next one, and then it's eight minutes. Shoot the next one, five minutes. You can't. It's just faster and faster and faster and faster and faster until something collapses, but then when you wake up, you do it right again. It never fucking ends. Well, that is just mirroring a prior addiction, which is the mind addicted to the idea of being a body. That's the, that's the premier addiction of all addictions. Everything else is spawned from there, because that unfulfillment begets needing to get relief, which begets looking for relief, let's say through drugs or alcohol or sex or this and that, yes? And yet, it can never quench that fire, it can never put out that fire of unfulfillment yeah? So the addictions never, never produced the solution they were there for, which is relief from the original one. The mind is addicted to the idea of being a self. It's shooting this little narration up every day. 
with interest and attention. It just it's interest and attending, and then it it just it's in the act of being a self, becoming a self, unbecoming the self it wanted to be, and becoming a self it doesn't want to be. Blah 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 blah. On and on and on and on and on. And on. It's like you're, you're the dealer, <laughs> you're the user, the dealer, the manufacturer. You're the you're the uh, the drugs wars are. You're everything. You're playing the whole schematic of a drug war up here. So there is a solution. There really is. I mean, a radical one that actually is worth the name of the solution. It really there is. Where what you would call really nice experiences can stabilize into states where you're walking around in what you used to seek for as an experience. You're walking in that sense of space of ease and comfort all day. Yeah. And then it will be at the next day, similar, and the next day. Yeah. And then the days morph into one contextual sense of presence, usually. And then the little particulars get washed away like after you do a laundry. Yeah? They had importance until they don't. On and on. But that same, that space, that context is now what's emphasized because that's fucking real. Yeah? It's not a passing dreamlike quality. It's real. So the mind has the eye on the ball and it changes the whole game. Yeah. Mm. Then you can enjoy peace of mind. You'll feel a new power flow in. Yeah, you'll realize you can face life successfully. Yeah. You'll sense the conscious presence of a higher power, if you want to call it that. You'll be reborn. Pretty nice, eh? Then it goes on to say, down the road in recovery, hey, the problem won't exist for you. It will happen with no thought or effort on your part. In other words, on this level, you're totally irrelevant. What? Yes, no thought or effort on your part. Something happens. You're placed in a position of neutrality. It doesn't say you found a place of neutrality. You have nothing to do with it. You're placed in it. Yeah. Oh, fuck. I'm in neutrality. The problem doesn't exist for me. I'd really like that to stabilize. All right, entertain the problem doesn't exist as you. You're not a self. Then you'll have that feeling of it doesn't exist for you. Stabilize, because it will be you that's not existing. Yes? Enjoy peace of mind. What a lovely statement. Be able to enjoy it. How much can you enjoy something if you're addicted to time? When the thought system, once you're enjoying it, says, will I be enjoying this tomorrow? The enjoyment's already stale, isn't it? Once there's the opportunity that you may not be enjoying it, you become like a, a rat again, looking for it, holding on to it more. Yes, is it? The system of time can't enjoy peace of mind, because peace of mind is not of time. Peace of mind is a timeless quality of mind. It can't be apprehended by time. You're not going to capture peace of mind and tame it so it will be here and then you'll be sure it will be here later. Yeah? It's only of this location now. I love those statements in the book. It talks about a radical shift with a psychic change out of one system of mind, self-centeredness, into another system of mind, let's just say centeredness. Yeah. And the qualities of that life are so profoundly different, and what to it you can expect in those lives will be very, very different. Yeah. You will lose interest in yourself and gain interest in others. Yeah. 
you'll see that your little plans and designs don't really fucking mean that much. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> I love the word little because obviously when you're in selfing, it's everything's big, you know. Every little plan is very big. has a lot of important meaning to it. <laughs> you'll see what you can contribute to life instead of being a taker all the time. An addict doesn't contribute to life usually. It's looking to get something most of the time. And I'm telling you, if the mind is addicted to self, you are a taker. That's the activity of mind. Even when you're being nice to people, there's a price tag usually. Like it says in the book very clearly, the person in self-centeredness can be virtuous, kind, very helpful. But isn't it self-will anyway? Yeah. <laughs> So I don't know, man, I'm happy as hell that you're here, because this thing likes to express this message, because it's just a natural response. If you, know, if you were taken out of hell, and you sensed the presence of hell in others, wouldn't you tell them where the bus stop was in hell, where that bus comes to take you out of it? It just seems like a natural thing to do. Now that we felt like we were in hell, we're saying there was no hell, actually. Hallelujah. There's no hell to go back to. You'll have a new freedom and a new happiness. You'll have a new attitude towards life. Not a revised version of freedom and happiness from the self-centered system, but a totally radically new idea of happiness and freedom. Seriously, I think it's an impossibility. 
your whole storyline in your head is the poss- is an impossibility taken to be a probability that you could be there and not be there. And it's going to use it to beat the shit out of you. Yeah? So that, yeah. But the fact is, my hit is that I cannot be out of the moment. So no matter what my head is thinking it's doing, and this and that, I'm there. I'm here. <laughs> it's just fucking obvious. Yeah? So first of all, you don't have to be in a moment because you can't be out of it. You're just judging how you want, you think you were in that moment, and it's, it's not being judged in a good light. Yes. Who's doing that? Who is that judger? Is anyone else telling you, oh, fucking, you should have been present? Hmm? Or are you the one that's playing God? Your head. Yeah? Let yourself off the hook, honey. You were present. Your energy can only be where you seem to be, and you were there. Yes? The energy was probably doing exactly what it does, holding the space while you were yap, while your head was yapping, and now you come out of, with an, an, an interpretation that you weren't holding the space. The space is being held wherever you are. Consciousness is prior to the thought system. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And then the second thing was the grief. Yes. Well, the grief is something that's coming up, so honor it. Let it have its time and space because it comes to go. Yeah. Everything arrives and then departs. It's now arri- it's arrived and it's appropriate. Let it have its thing. There's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. What, about, what about anger? What about anger? I mean, Well, it matters if it's inappropriately affecting others physically and shit like that in your life, and I don't think that's appropriate, yeah? But then this is getting into, like, a therapy. To me, anger is a... To me, anger is a movement that moves through us, but I'm just saying there is no one who's angry. It doesn't diminish the anger, and here, we're in Rome, so you have to do as Romans do. You can't be fucking dumping it on everybody, or there'll be consequences to the action figure. Yeah, people won't like you. <laughs> they may even imprison you or arrest you. Yeah. <laughs> so the anger arises, and first of all, before your head has any opinion about it, it's already been seen. Yeah? Consciousness, which I believe you are, has already seen it. Yeah. And now the mind is like a Johnny Come Lately arrives and thinks, well. My anger, my anger is arising again. It's not your fucking anger. It's just anger, yeah? Everything's different if you take the my off it, really. You may be able to travel a lot better with anger than with my anger. Because my anger, it has a, a, a very strong agenda or purpose. The self gives, the me, gives a purpose to the anger, which is to create maybe an identity of, as being an angry person, yeah? It's got a whole other thing. So you would think, oh, I'd do anything to lose this anger. No, your mind wouldn't. Your mind is mining it. It's getting a lot of really nice nuggets out of it. Yes? But if it's just anger, you'll see it. It's an energy. All it is is energy. I had it the other day. I'm doing a paint job. And I don't usually have it. It doesn't usually occur. I'm doing a paint job on this houseboat. And the, uh, better not. <laughs>